Want to become famously influential to the right people? Then welcome to MicroFamous. If you're driven to teach, train, and lead people, this is the place to learn how to use podcasting, guest interviews, and social media to become micro-famous. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and running from one shiny object to another, you're moving forward with confidence and clarity. The micro-famous strategy you'll learn here will help you build influence, attract an audience, convert them into clients you love, all with a minimum of time, effort, and energy. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder, author of MicroFamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's jump into the latest episode of MicroFamous. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're talking about destroying imposter syndrome. It's something we've been talking about in the MicroFamous Facebook group. Uh, So you join the community there. Uh, Just go to microfamousgroup.com. But uh, if you don't feel like an expert, uh, take heart, right? Because I don't think really, unless you have some sort of irrational self-confidence, people don't feel like experts right out of the gate. I I know I didn't. Uh, And for years, I let that feeling hold me back from getting featured on podcasts or even launching my first solo podcast. Uh, If you know anything about my history, uh, I I always co-hosted podcasts with other people. So I I was somewhat of an expert in my own right, but I had someone else on the podcast who was definitely a high level expert in their own right. And that's part of what gave me the confidence for my first podcast. And so I didn't step out there right away and present myself as an expert, um, you know, standing on my own two feet for, for a few years into the business. And a lot of the conventional advice didn't work for me. I never bought into the idea that if I knew just a little bit more than my clients, that that somehow made me an expert. So I was thinking about it one day. And there was something I remembered from my background uh, as a musician that really helped. And I think it'll help you too. So what, what you realize when you, when you pay attention to like the, the master musicians, and I mean the, the ones that are at, truly at the top of their game, not just the ones that are the most popular, not just the ones that are touring, but the ones that the other musicians look up to, those musicians are often the most humble, which is really interesting, right? Because how, like, how is it possible that the people at the highest skill level, the biggest bag of tricks end up being the most humble? And it's because they're always learning. If you pay attention, if you read the interviews of these people, you realize that they have a sense that they know how far they still have to go. That as mind-blowing as some of their skill levels are, in their mind, they can see so much further. They see so much to learn, right? And so it keeps them humble. And if you don't feel like an expert, I bet you're the same way. I know I I am. Uh, We think that because we're still learning that we can't present ourselves as an expert, but that's not how musicians think. They understand that there's no limit to their imagination. There's always more to learn, more to practice, more to improve. And that keeps them humble, but it doesn't make them any less of an expert right now. So when we bring that into our world, just remember, just because we're still learning and we, we can see how much more there is to learn and practice and improve, it doesn't mean that we're not experts right now. It's okay to be confident as, as an expert, even as you're learning and improving. Really, what I take that as is it's a sign of being smart and having the vision to see how far you can go, to see what can still be improved. So be humble, yeah, but be confident. Hey, everybody, we'll get back to the episode in just a second. But first, with all the inward and outward pressure to be everywhere and be everything to everyone, I wanted to create a space where like-minded thought leaders can support each other and help us all stay focused. So if you're driven to teach, train, and lead, and you want to connect with others who are focused on becoming famously influential to the right people, I'm inviting you to join the MicroFamous community over on Facebook. It's a place for connection and conversation with people just like you who want to attract an audience, 
build real enduring influence and become micro famous. So if that's you, you're invited. Head on over to microfamousgroup.com to join and we'll see you in the community. Now let's talk about another aspect of imposter syndrome, which is who we serve. Now this is really interesting. Um, I'm doing a whole episode that you'll, that you'll want to check out about the difference between the few and the many, right? Because any niche, uh, no matter how big or small, always breaks down into the few and the many. My contention is, especially when you're when you are launching a thought leadership business or when you're launching a new podcast, you always skip the many and go straight to the few. And if you listen to that episode, we'll find out why. <clears throat> so let me just give you kind of a real quick synopsis of who these two groups of people are. The few are the successful early adopters in a niche, the ones with the discipline and the strength of execution to try something unproven and deal with the risk. In fact, they might even enjoy the risk because uh, they get to help like roll up their sleeves and tinker and adjust to make it work. And then they get to share with all their peers and colleagues how they're on the cutting edge. The rest of the market, everyone who isn't in the few, they expect things to work right out of the box. And if it doesn't, they get frustrated and cranky. So when we skip the many and we take our service directly to the few, we don't need to have every little thing figured out because the expectation is that there's going to be adjustments made along the way. So when you know that and you know that you're working with the few and you know that you're working with people that don't expect things to be perfect all the time, I think it helps deal with imposter syndrome because it, you don't have to present yourself as an expert that has everything figured out. You can present yourself as an expert that is learning and tweaking and finding what works, right? Then once you've done something for years and you do have everything figured out and you're ready to go to the rest of the market, then you know you can do that knowing that your service will work right out of the box and knowing that you know what you're talking about and you're ready for the rest of the market, right? Now, this is not just like an educated guess. Like I've lived this process and so have a bunch of my friends and clients. Uh, when I first started the podcast production agency, we sold to the few. We sold to the early adopters who were some of the most respected and successful in their field. They were the thought leaders that everyone else in the space looked up to. And by spending the first couple of years of the business working exclusively with those people, we were able to experiment and adjust our service to the point where now we are expanding to the many. And now our service works right out of the box. So it's a joy for new clients to sign up and work with us because we already figured out all the problems. We worked out all the kinks with the early adopter clients. We went straight to the few. Now we're ready for the many. So when I get on a podcast and I talk about um, you know, our weekly podcast formula or our approach to sponsorships or the three stages of influence, I don't have imposter syndrome anymore right? Because skipping the many and going straight to the few is what gave me the breathing room to experiment and find what works so that now I speak from experience and not educated guesses. So if you feel that twinge of imposter syndrome where you talk about what you do and what you, what you sell, just know that it's not permanent, right? The few are, they want to work with you. They want to take the risk of doing something new and interesting and unproven, something that doesn't work 100% right out of the box. So if you skip the many and you go straight to the few, those early adopters, it's going to give you the breathing room to experiment and find what works. And once you find what works, that destroys the imposter syndrome. So that's my perspective on it. Uh, there's a bunch of other things we can say about imposter syndrome that helps, but those are a couple of things that really helped me. I'd love to hear from you, and, uh, and I hope you, that gives you a different perspective on imposter syndrome. If you have any feedback or you have a different uh, aspect or different view on what helps with imposter syndrome, I'd love to hear it because there's other tricks and mental models and approaches that will work. Those are just a couple of things that have worked for me. So again, I hope that was useful. Uh, thank you so much for your time and attention. We'll see you on the next episode of Microfamous.
Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.